What is up, ambitious listeners? Welcome back to a brand new episode. In this episode, I am going to do a week six NFL recap. And also have Justin Wilson, a versatile NFL free agent at this point in time, on the pod. It was a great conversation. He's an absolute, just an absolute freak athlete. And I am so excited that he was able to join the pod and discuss his career, discuss his future, and discuss how being a free agent is during a pandemic, just like Davon Howard last week. So enjoy that conversation. But quick, it is a week six NFL recap. Week six NFL recap. We start with the Sunday night football game. The 3-3 49ers hosted the 4-2, now Los Angeles Rams. The Rams looked solid in the second half, but pretty bad in the first half. This was an offense that looked lifeless and a defense that just could not shut Garoppolo down in the first quarter. Three touchdowns in the first quarter for Gucci Garopp. After that, it was a tight scoring game where the Rams outscored them in the second half, but this was a defensive ball game and neither team really came out of this looking great, but one guy did and that was Gucci Garopp after a phenomenal first quarter performance. Then we head to Tampa Bay, where the Buccaneers picked up a win, and it was a statement one, defeating the undefeated Packers after the triple pump, because we all know three pumps is just too much Aaron Rodgers. If anybody taught you that, it was the Key and Peel skit. But he learned his lesson with a 38-10 thomping in Tampa Bay. Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians' offense looks phenomenal. Looks like they're finally humming and getting a rhythm. All the pieces are getting included, and this is a Tom Brady offense that we never knew we needed as NFL fans. And as for that defense, Todd Bowles coached a phenomenal game. Devin White has stood out immensely to me. He has become a captain of that team only in his second year, but well-refined was that defense because you had veterans also step up like Dominic Sue, who was in Aaron Rodgers' face all damn game. Buccaneers win, 38-10. Whoop, whoop, we head to Miami, where the 24-0 Thomping here as well led to the Jets being the only winless team in the NFL. At 0-6, they are the leaders in the tank for Trevor and also the leaders of the coach who needs to get fired as quick as humanly possible. Adam Gase at this point being left is just a sign that the team has given up and are hoping that they just can continue to sink down and get that first pick locked up. They traded Steve McClendon to the Buccaneers, who we just talked about last night, to bolster the Buccaneers' front, and this is just a complete strip down and rebuild at this point in time. As for the Dolphins, even with the personnel on this team not being the most talented— This team looks so well-refined. At 500 currently, this is a team that a year ago was being talked about as one of the worst in football, and a year later looks like one of the most well-rounded and well-coached teams in the game. Brian Flores has really instilled this culture in Miami, and it is going to be fun to watch how that team develops in the long term, especially since we saw a glimpse of Tua towards the end of that game. We head to Carolina, where the Bears continued to eye-open the rest of the NFL with another win. 23-16. to The Panthers, this was a game where Matt Rule needing to instill his culture showed. To this point, the Panthers have really performed well despite losing Christian McCaffrey 
and having the changes of Matt Rule and Joe Brady really instilling that culture. But the offense really couldn't find steam against that phenomenal Bears defense, and the Bears continued to just look good. This is a Bears team that we're not talking about enough that could really sneak in as an NFL or as an NFC wildcard if they continue this top-tier play. And as for the Panthers, this offense needs to find its rhythm back, but it could be soon as Christian McCaffrey is reportedly starting to get moving again and potentially be getting ready to come off the IR, hopefully by week 10 at the latest. But for now, Bears win 23-16. This is a game that I want to talk about a little bit extensively. The Colts head to 4-2 and two with a 31-27 win over the Bengals. It's weird because a 1-4-1 and and team in Cincinnati looks better than a lot of other teams. This is a team that showed glimpses of being a refined and well-performing football team. However, Zach Taylor let this team take their foot off the gas after a 21-0 start, and the Colts and veteran quarterback Phillip Rivers came roaring back. This is a side of a young team and a team that still has a lot of growth to come. But as for the Colts, this is a sign of a team that, similarly to the Bears, not a lot of people expected to be having this much success, and they are truly impressing to this point with a 4-2 and two start. And they have been just a well-coached football team as well, similarly to the Bears. We head to Jacksonville, where the both teams, it was a battle of mediocrity. This is a Lions team that can't get out of their own way, and that starts at the top with Matt Patricia. And this is a Jaguars team that is so inconsistent. This is a team that week one just dominated and since have just looked like the team we expected them to be. The difference is this is a young team that shows glimpses of greatness but is sloppy. That comes from Doug Marone, which he's on the fence for his job, and this comes from just a poor... A poor game. And I say this because I'm trying to find the right word. Because it wasn't a poor performance for all. It was a poor performance for the youth in this team. The Jacksonville Jaguars traded away a lot of veterans in Calais Campbell and Jalen Ramsey last year. And now it's starting to show that you're youth. And this is a team that is similarly to the Dolphins last year where we expected them to be so bad. But because of the success of some players, I think they're going to be okay. They're not going to win a lot of games. They're probably going to be picking in the top half of the draft. Just about guarantee that. But this is a team that's shown some glimpses of good football, and I'm excited to see how they can grow from that, especially with some young pieces that are really, really talented. As for the Lions, 2-3. and three, I mean, this was a game where Matt Patricia finally looked like an NFL coach. 34-16, though. A lot of that is a credit to the offense. And just a... Uh, Game where we have to look to next week to see how the Lions can follow it up. Similarly to that, we need to look to how the Falcons follow up a eye-opening win in wake of Dan Quinn's firing. 40-23, to they destroyed the Vikings and continue to mount a case for why Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer need to get out of Minnesota. 1-5 for both of these teams now, but the Falcons look like they're on the rise with a new head coach in Raheem Morris, and the Vikings look like they are just falling to the bottom of the NFL rapidly. We go to New York, where the Giants picked up their first win of the year in a 20-19 win over the Washington football team. At 1-5, the Giants and the football team continue to just represent the mediocrity of the NFC East. 
it seemed like whoever wanted to lose more in this game was going to lose. It was sloppy football on both sides of the ball, but nonetheless, the Giants and Joe Judge pull out their first win of the year. This was a game that was more concerning for Ravens than I would think. Similarly to the Chiefs game last week, this was a game, the Chiefs-Raiders game, this is a game that exposed a lot of weaknesses for Baltimore. This offense is too devoted to Lamar Jackson, and they need to spread it out to guys like Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, and need to give Lamar the opportunity to open things up with his arm. Because in 5-1, and one, this is a team that is still roaring and still going to be one of the best teams in the AFC and the league as a whole. But they almost lost this game, because the Eagles were able to exploit those weaknesses and formulate some sense of a comeback. Going into next week, the Eagles have a little bit of momentum, but at 1-4-1, and one, they still look like one of the best teams in the NFC East between them and the Dolphins, or the, not the Dolphins, the Cowboys, who are without their starting quarterback. But this is a coin toss on who's the worst team in the NFC East, and or the best team, and this is one that the Eagles likely could get. But... Nonetheless, the Ravens looked bad and the Eagles looked or Ravens looked bad for the Ravens and the Eagles looked good for the Eagles at this point in time. We go to Pittsburgh where the Steelers continue their undefeated streak going to 5 and 0 and just running over the Cleveland Browns. A 4 and 2 team has never looked this bad. 38 to 7. This was a well-performed offensive game and a well-performed defensive game. Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick destroyed Baker Mayfield all game, so much so he had to get pulled out for Case Keenum. That offensive line looked awful against that front seven, and with so many games against the AFC North, and with how good that division is, I do not see the Cleveland Browns making any noise this year. 4-2 and two was a good start, but it is just going downhill from here. We go to Tennessee where both teams looked great, but this was a game where Derrick Henry looked officially back. 42 to 36, Henry and Tannehill looked phenomenal. This team looked well, well oiled, like a well oiled machine. And that started with Mike Vrabel, who looked phenomenal as a coach with his one decision that really saved the game. He took a penalty, and I'm not going to explain this right, so go look this up on. I'm sure Pro Football Focus is likely going to do something about it, so look it up on there. But they made a call where Vrabel purposely drew a penalty in order to get more time on the game clock and ended up getting them 40 seconds on the game clock and saving this game for them. So 5-0, and Vrabel playing chess, everybody else is playing checkers. But as for the Texans, this was an encouraging game for Romeo Cornell and that Deshaun Watson team. The Patriots host the Denver Broncos, And this was a game of who wanted to lose more, just like the Giants and the football team game. The Patriots wanted this win, but they could not mount anything against that Denver Bronco defense. Cam Newton looked lifeless, and this was a game where there was no touchdown scored. 18-12, Brandon McManus was the story of the game, as the Broncos at 2-3 look like they finally have a little bit of life, despite the consistent injuries in the team. And that is that for all the Week 6 games, but... Heading up for the two Monday night games, it is the Chiefs and the Bills. My pick, I've got the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to answer back after a rough loss against Las Vegas last week, and the Bills looking to answer back against after the Titans' loss. They're still the best team in the AFC East, but this one's going to be a tough one for them to win. The Cowboys, the current NFC East leaders, going to try to look like a well-refined team as Andy Dalton makes the start on Monday night football, but this is a game where the Cardinals will look to come well-prepared. Cliff Kingsbury in a primetime slot, looking to try to assert that they are still a 
contending team and still a dark horse like everyone thought they could be. This is a game I think is a toss-up, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys to win it and win this one for Dak yet again. That is that Week 6 NFL recap, and we are heading over to Justin Wilson's interview after a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Anchor. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is a versatile linebacker. He's currently a pro football free agent, graduated from University of Dubuque. I probably butchered that, but he can correct it once he's on. And he uh, came from Wisconsin Lutheran High School, an absolute beast of a linebacker. And he's versatile, can play a little defensive end, and just an all-around athlete. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Justin Wilson. Justin, how are you, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate it. I think it's a uh, University of Dubuque. It's kind of hard to pronounce. Trust me, when I first got there, I couldn't say it either. <laughs> so starting with them, how was your experience there? We'll dive right in. Uh, yeah, uh, my, my experience at the University of Dubuque, it, was, um, it taught me uh, some resilience and it also taught me like how to be, to be a man. Uh, it taught me like a lot of life lessons as well. For example, um, uh, college itself just told me that, like, as soon as you get there, you are not the man anymore, like, at all. Like, everyone on the team came from their high school, and they were the man. And all you guys, like, got to compete. And, uh, you know, I got, you know, I got rocked. First time I got there, I wasn't a standout. Like, it took me a year and a half to get to the point where I was, you know, recognized for my talent, ability, and my speed and stuff like that. But, you know, I loved it. Now, is that where you feel you built the most resiliency was in having to compete to earn every rep, or were there other factors in your college experience that also built some resiliency? Um, I think it was that, and also the, the year we got a championship ring. Um, I'll start off with the uh, competing for like my spot. Every single year, even my senior year, man, I had to compete for my spot. Like My coaches just wanted me to like stay on top of my game. So, like, Every year, they, they were recruit like, some good recruits that played the same position as me. And they were um, they were really, really good, like, hands-on, really, really good. And I just had to show them that, like, you know, I'm the best. And I, and I can't, like, just give up my spot. I can't do it. So, you know, each and every single year, even my senior, I just, like, went balls to the wall. Um, the, our championship year. Um, you know, after competing, you know, after, after camp, you know, when the spots was already taken and stuff like that, and I, I got my spot, um, you know, we all come together and we won that ring, and I was happy. It was like all my hard work paid off. So let's talk about winning that ring a little bit quick. What was that experience like? That's obviously got to be just a surreal and phenomenal time. Oh, man. It was, it was real, and it was real phenomenal to me because, like, we started off like really bad, like we lost like two or three times. And like I was just like, you know, awkward. I'm thinking like, man, we are not we're not gonna ring again, like Jesus Christ. But you know, it's you know, sometimes you just gotta buckle down and keep your head up and you gotta keep pushing because you never know what can happen. You just never know and then next thing you know we won each and every single game. Each and every single one. And when that ring came in, I mean Almost, almost cried, man. It was, it was a happy feeling. It's a big ring, and I felt like all my hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, like went into it. So I was, I was excited and I was happy. 
Now, kind of backtracking a little bit here to Wisconsin Lutheran, you were a very, very good player in high school. You were in college as well, and you still are. But in high school, you were a talented player. So I guess my question to you is you were ranked in the top 20 linebackers in your state, and you ended up at University of, I'm going to butcher it again. I'm just going to give up on saying it, but you ended up there. But what, I guess, was the recruiting process like, and why did that ultimately become the fit for you? That's a bet that ultimately has paid off very well for you. I mean, you've gotten yourself to a point where, I mean, barring COVID-19, you'd likely be playing professional football right now. So I guess let's dive into that a little bit where, I mean, you got yourself into a tough situation, not by your own doing with the COVID pandemic, because it's got to be hard right now to find a fit with most professional leagues shut down aside from the NFL. So I guess, could you elaborate on how hard it's been trying to find a fit right now? a phenomenal perspective to have. Before we touch on the CFL season, I do want to ask, how has this time been? I talked to Davon Howard yesterday, and we spoke a little bit about what he's been able to do in order to refine some of the skills and maybe some of the not-so-strong points in his game. So is there a specific area you've been focusing on, or has it just been balls-to-the-walls training every day to get back? I've been focusing on, um, 
aspects of my game that I'm not good at. Uh, for example, at first I wasn't really good at like um, with my hips. So like when a receiver would go one one way, I wouldn't turn my hips fast enough. And I've been working on that. A lot of that comes from like stretching and just doing like little side drills on the side by myself. But I've just been working on aspects of the game that I'm not good at. Uh, I think it's something else. Um, uh, getting out of my back pedal just a little bit faster. I am a very, very quick athlete, but you can never be, you know, too fast. So I, I just want to work on get a little bit quicker. Um, I'm working on disrupting after the catch. Everyone thinks, like, most of the time, like, when a receiver catches the ball that the play is over with. It's not, as you can see from, you know, players like Stephon Gilmore punching a ball out, you know, when the receiver catches the ball. And that's just, that's phenomenal to me because he literally does the meaning of playing to the whistle. Now, I guess this is maybe a weird question, but looking at guys like that, you know, that's a cornerback, um, been listed at different spots, linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. So I guess if you just had to pinpoint one spot, or maybe you can't, and maybe you just want to be a Swiss Army knife all over the field, which has become a lot more common in today's NFL, but if you had to pinpoint one position that you feel most fits where you feel you are right now, what would that be? That is real tough because I'm so used to being all off the field. Uh, man, that's a tough one. I would say, I would say linebacker, man. I would say linebacker. I say linebacker because um, I think I read the line very well. I think I can read the line and the quarterback very well, and I know like where to be. Um, you know, when you're a linebacker, you don't just, well, depending on what linebacker you are, you don't just hold, like, one receiver one-on-one. You, you like that, that help. But, like, I just got so much force and I just got so much force in me that I want to just show through my tackle that, you know, I can hit, I can fill, and I can hold a receiver as well. So I just say linebacker. But honestly, if you look at some of the today's best linebackers coming out of college, one guy who comes to mind right away is Isaiah Simmons. I mean, he does it all. He was um, a pass rusher. He's phenomenal in coverage. He's been used at corner. He's been used at middle linebacker. Is that the kind of role you'd really love to play at the pro level? Yes, it is. I just want to show a team that whatever it is that you need me to do, I will do it and I will perfect it. Now, that superb athleticism to be able to do that is something that's very rare, but I read an interview you did with another outlet, and it said that you, you've gone to workouts with CFL and other pro teams, and they've shouted you out on how versatile and athletic you are, and is that something that's been the trend throughout your career? Yes, it has.
at times it gets difficult because, you know, in like certain coverages or like certain schemes, like each and every position does something different. But um, that's why, that's where film study for me comes in. I just, I, I just study the game every day, man. Don't matter what position I am, I just, just want to keep showing that. That's a very, very good mentality to have. So have you always been this way? I mean, when did you start playing football? I didn't start until high school, which is the funny part. Literally, my freshman year, I didn't start. I remember I was walking through the hallway, and I kept talking to my friends about track. They didn't care what I was talking about. They kept talking about football. I was like, I can't wait to football season. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I was like, ah, I'm not playing football. And then they were like, come on, come on, man, come on. And I was like, forget it. Fine, I'll do it. And I went out there and got my... My helmet rocked as soon as I, <laughs> I got rocked. But uh, then I was like, I don't like that feeling of me getting rocked. I, I want to do the rocking. Next thing you know, I, just, I started studying up. back to my friends for help, back to coaches for help, watching the film, and you know, just learned positions. First position I ever played was defensive end. Hmm. That was the first position I ever played. Now, so those friends that got you into the game, are they still playing football as well? No, they're not. They uh, when I when I make a post on Instagram, they make fun of me. Like, remember you wanted to be a track star? You remember you wanted to be a basketball <laughs> star? And it just takes me back. That like you never know what's in store for you in life, man. You just never know. That's but great. I'm glad that this is my calling because I'm ready. That's crazy that uh. You went from being so devoted to track to you're the last one standing of football players and with a real shot to play professional football once we get back going. It's okay. Uh, it's crazy, man. I'm you know, I'm thankful and I'm, I'm honored. And I just want to show people and show the world that uh, this, this game is a good game to teach you about life. and It, it can help you a lot. That's a very, very great mentality to have. So I got to ask, Wisconsin High School, you went to an Iowa college. My guess is a Green Bay Packers fan. What were your fan allegiance to, I guess, when you were younger and even now? Packers. Hey, I'm proud of myself. (laughs) So was there a particular player? I mean, they've had some phenomenal linebackers run through there, like A.J. Hawk, Clay Matthews. Are either of those guys you look up to, or uh, is there another guy you really look up to? Jalen's a different breed. You saw the other day um, with Golden Tate. They uh, things got a little chippy, but I mean, he backs it up. He's one of the greatest corners of our generation at this point in time, and he's a beast on the field. And if there's any guy to want to learn from and replicate success, it would definitely be Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I watch a lot of his interviews or whatever he do off the field with the camera, and he is just uh, he just always talks about film study, film study, film study. A lot of players talk about that. Stephon Gilmore, uh, film study, Xavier Rhodes, film study. Uh, 
even Cam Newton, man, talking about film study. Everyone, man, I just think that's important. Um, but yeah, Jalen Ramsey, he is just that. That's it. He's a different dog, man. He ain't out of this world. <laughs> he, he's just that's my favorite player. Now, watching your film a little bit, a guy who came to mind to me was Jarrell Peppers. I feel like he's got that same kind of versatility, similar to your size and skill set as well, that he has, and it's worked out very well for him. Is that a guy that you kind of look to to try to replicate his skill set, or are you more, uh, you know, we talked about Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, I like Jarrell Peppers too because um, I don't know if you've seen the combine, they're asking him, you know, what position were you going to do in the what he's gonna try for in the combine. He said, I'm gonna do like, you know, two or three. And you know, media was shocked, like you'll be too tired. So I'm like, nah man, I liked his attitude. He was like, nah, I'm gonna just show that I can do it all. And he was like that in college too. Jabril was a good one too. He was the, he's definitely in my favorite player index, but I, I love Jabril too, man. Um, I like his attitude. Now, your versatility is definitely something that throughout this interview has shined through, among other things, in your high football IQ and all that. But your versatility is definitely something that's apparent watching tape and just talking to you. But is that something you believe is your best trait, or is there another aspect of your game that you feel stands out above the rest? Um, I think it's my versatility. Another thing I'd just like to add is just my, you know, being relentless when all odds are against me. I just want to show that I will, you know, come out on top no matter how low on the uh, tone scale you put me or the depth chart you put me, I'm, I'm going to be out on top. Whatever I got to do to be on top, I'm going to put in those reps. I'm going to put in those hours. I'm going to do it. Well, you're definitely a hard worker, and I give you a lot of credit for working your way, starting in high school and already being on track to play professional football. So a lot of credit to you, Justin. Now, I guess it's a hard question to answer right now with the pandemic and everything going on. But if you had to set yourself, I'll ask you first because of the pandemic, a three-year goal and then a five-year goal of where you could see yourself, what would those be? top defensive players in Canadian Football League. Five-year goal. Um, I just need, I want to be one of them players in the NFL who players read about on how I made it to the NFL. That is a phenomenal mission to have. Um, now, I guess this is a tough question, obviously, to answer with COVID and everything, but without COVID, do you feel you'd be with a Canadian football team right now? Is that the sentiment you had got from trying out for teams towards the end of last year? Yes, it is. Um, and that's, I think, is the most, like, frustrating part is because, you know, like, me, instead of me, like, being, you know, at home, like, going to work, and still at the same time working out, I could be playing football as my job. And, you know, and, and that's my dream. That's a lot of players' dream, but I just feel like that, like, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to stop until I, until I, you know, succeed and get my dream playing football as my job. That's a phenomenal goal. Now, have you stayed in contact with any of those coaches just to make sure that you're still keeping updates or up to date with them for once Canadian football finally gets back rolling? Um, a couple of them uh, I have on Instagram. I talk to uh, one every now and then, just comments on what I post on my Instagram story. Um, I like posting my workouts just to like show you know I'm still active. I'm not just sitting on the couch. Um, 
guess, if you want to call that staying in contact, I do. Um, I know that a lot of the coaches can't, like, just, you know, have their favorite player right now because you never know who's doing what. Mm-hmm. Some some guys probably just sitting on the couch eating chips. Some guys probably really working out. So, you know, I'm going to just wait. But, yeah, if you want to call that staying in contact, that's what's been going on. <laughs> Well, it definitely sounds like, and it definitely sounds like you're working to get ready for that. Now, just a couple more questions here. Who is Justin Wilson off the field? Oh, man. Um, off the field, I am a leader. Um, uh, that's a good one. I am definitely a leader. I, just, I think I'll sum it up by saying that I'm a leader. Um, I want to do the right thing, whether someone's looking or not. Um, I want to help people, especially when I get, like, my first game check. I want, I want to help people. I want to help kids that have the same or similar story as me. Um, I know, like, growing up, well, like, with my mom, she always helped people a lot, like, homeless people and stuff like that, and I, I want to do that with my earnings. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal goal, and uh, definitely speaks to the, your integrity and your character, so much props to you, Justin. Now, that kind of ties into my next question here and my final question, and I ask every guest this and uh, take as much time as you need to answer it, but when it's all said and done, your football career, your life after football, really your life as a whole, what do you, Justin Wilson, want your legacy to be? Man, uh, I guess that, um, that I show that I'm a leader on and off the field. That I show that kids or anyone in the world can look up to me and you know say that's that's how you do it that's how you that's how you show character um that's all i want my legacy to be it doesn't seem much but it seems uh, a lot to me because you know uh, kids look up people idols each and every single day well you're definitely what were you saying Well, Justin, you're already on that path, and you've done a phenomenal job to this point, and I really hope and pray that you can get able to play some football at least this year, but definitely once uh, the leagues are back in order. Now, before we X out, or, uh, X out of this interview here, but uh, before we end off here, I do want to give you the opportunity to get people on your social medias and tell people where they can find you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, everyone, just please follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is at jwill underscore 42 that's at j-w-i-l-l underscore 42 lowercase everything thank you guys ladies and gentlemen he is a versatile dynamic relentless athlete and he is on a fast track to professional football the one the only justin wilson thanks again justin My thanks again to Justin Wilson for coming on Ambitious. It was a lot of fun sitting down with him, and I wish him the best of luck with his football career once things get going again. And if you would like to tune into more Ambitious episodes, check back next week for a brand new one wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can listen to old ones on wherever you listen to podcasts, that being Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, you know the drill. If you want to find us on YouTube, look up Ambitious with Dylan Price, Twitter Ambitious with DP, and Instagram Ambitious Podcast. Have a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners.